0: relationsreviewpodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners across America and around the world. Now, crisis communications and prevention continues to be a major concern for companies, governments, nonprofits, and individuals. This concern grows exponentially on social media. So joining me today from the Denver area to discuss major crisis communications problems on social media and how to prevent many of them is Eric Bernstein. He is president of Bernstein Crisis Communication, an international crisis and reputation management firm providing solutions for both companies and prominent individuals. Eric works to support clients in all aspects of creating, building, and maintaining their readiness for and resilience against threats to operations or reputation that might impact the bottom line. Now, before making the move to full-time crisis management consulting, Eric owned and operated a social media and online marketing company serving businesses throughout Southern California. This position provided an unusual level of daily exposure to the types of online issues organizations of all shapes and sizes face on a daily basis. Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Why don't we start out by you sort of identifying what some of the major crises are on social media and then how you go about solving those individual or specific types of problems.
1: Sure. So really these days we see social media becoming a part of or, or being the cause of just about every crisis. I don't think I've had a crisis case in the last 10 years that didn't have some online or social media component. And I think the number one issue we're seeing with social media is companies really don't understand who they're talking to on social. Uh, If you put out a message on social media and it sounds like the type of crisis communications we might've done back in 1985, people are going to eat you alive. Uh, and unfortunately a lot of companies really haven't adapted what are old and outdated crisis communication plans to deal with social.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you su- uh, suggest that they go about recognizing that maybe their their crisis communication plans are outdated and then go about bringing them up to speed for the for the 21st century?
1: The the very best way to see besides testing it in a crisis, which is going to be awfully painful for you, is to do simulations. Mm -hmm. If you can sit down and pretend, say, hey, we we saw this terrible tweet about this made-up news about our brand. What do we do? If you don't know who's doing what the whole step along the way, if you don't have specific messaging for issues on social media, if the first question you ask is who the heck has the login to our Twitter, then you know you have some work to do.
0: Okay. So each individual organization has to, I guess, get the right people around the table to go through what that simulation should look like and and identify, for lack of a better term, their weakest points?
1: Yes, exactly. And, and really making sure a lot of times if you've never done formal crisis planning, your first sit down for a simulation might be a lot of just figuring out who does what Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of companies, unless you're a really large established company does not have a designated crisis team. They don't know who would be the media contact, who would be handling online, who would be handling the phones. And so a lot of times that needs to shake out because often what we're seeing when it comes to online and social is somebody says, Well, that intern over there knows social media because they're a millennial, so let them do it. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody with no training, no experience, and no preparedness handling social media crisis management.
0: So the first thing I would suggest then or that I'm hearing you suggest is that simply because someone understands and uses social media on a regular basis does not automatically qualify them to handle crisis on social media.
1: Very much so, and that's a common trap we see people fall into. Uh, I I am not any longer, at least, a social media marketer. I don't do sales online. I don't purport to be an expert in doing the best Google ads online. But at the same time, people who are experts in that are not always experts in social media crisis management. It's Mm -hmm. different. The same thing for folks who may be an influencer, they may be very popular but they're using it for promotion. So they're very good at interacting. They're very good at getting people to like the good news that they're sharing, the positive things they're sharing. But these same people are not equipped to mitigate the damage from serious negativity.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that now. Let's assume that uh, there has been some misinformation or false news or fake news, if you will, put out online for Company A. Company A gets wind of it, they see it, somebody calls them, whatever. How do they go about correcting and turning that particular problem around?
1: So really the best way to do that, and the nice thing is the internet gives us the ability to do this very easily, is you need to become the best source of accurate information. So we'll do things like create an FAQ website, and then distribute that among our social media channels create a media landing page where maybe members of the media can immediately get facts, get pictures, and then get a hold of us. It's really becoming the go-to source. If you're having a crisis, you need to make darn sure that people are going to get the information from you Mm -hmm. because no one else is going to give you the benefit of a doubt. Nobody else is going to give you a balanced story nobody else is going to make sure that your full message is out there especially when we're talking online where frankly negativity and trolling is much more entertaining to the average person than facts
0: mm-hmm. so part of of the, the problem is that people have a tendency to redistribute and recirculate misinformation simply because it, it it attracted their attention and they thought that their friends and neighbors might be interested in seeing it as well
1: Oh, absolutely. Twitter just started implementing a feature where it will be able to tell if you actually clicked the link before you shared it. And it will now start popping up a, a little pop-up window saying, you haven't actually read this article. Would you still like to share it? Mm. that That's how absolutely, uh, you know, just, just pervasive this sharing without even clicking the link is. And it's one way that misinformation and rumors spread so quickly online.
0: You know, that, that's an interesting concept there. Do you think that the other large folks, uh, uh, you know, just at Twitter, maybe Facebook and some of the others, might consider doing that as well? Or have they been approached by it? and Or, or do they have their own system set up to, to try to mitigate these problems?
1: I think all of the social networks right now are working to at least do enough to placate the public. They are facing an awful lot of pressure to give people more tools to make sure that the things they're reading and sharing and viewing on there are legitimate. Uh, So I think that there is tremendous pressure for them to do so, and I would guess that things like that are in the works on the back end. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Have you have people talked to you about the damages that have uh, occurred because their companies have suffered uh, misinformation as a result of things that were put on social media?
1: Absolutely. We, we see it every day. we're We're working with at least two or three clients right now whose main issues are all connected to information that is partially or completely untrue being spread online and people actually believing it.
0: That's sort of obviously, to say, unfortunate. But uh, how long does it take for people to, once they see it, to, I guess, to give you a call or to recognize, I guess they recognize it right away that it's not true. But in terms of them seeing it and then doing something about it, what is the normal time span of, of something like that?
1: So we do see a range on that for people who are somewhat prepared. They're already monitoring social, we usually are contacted within a couple of days of things really breaking out, it going viral to a small degree, at least. What's really scary are the people who call and say, we don't do social. Often when you get a call like that, you know, it's been days or weeks since mm-hmm. the problem began and the people have not understood the significance and tell suddenly not only is the Internet upset with them, but they're getting calls from local regulators, business referral sources, things like that, that make them understand online is not a bubble.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there uh, monitoring services that uh, maybe some of the more sophisticated companies might have that looks for and picks up and returns to them anything that has their name mentioned in it?
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I strongly recommend... Whether you're a, a one-person shop out of your garage or a multinational company, you absolutely must be monitoring online and social media. We have gotten tremendous benefits from being early adopters of doing this. Uh, for example, in one, of, one of our famous stories that we like to share a lot is that uh, we actually learned of an attorney general filing a case against one of our clients the day before the client found out because the attorney general tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the world of crisis management, having one day lead time on an announcement like that is like having forever. Uh, we've we've had quite a few items like that where it's just been so valuable to us professionally to use it. And today, there's even free ones that are great. Google Alerts is getting better and better. It's catching all kinds of things that it didn't catch before, and it's 100% free. Mm-hmm. Hootsuite is another one where they have a free version that's great for your average user. Um, and I would say a budget friendly one, but one of my personal favorites is called Awario, And that's a great one. It's very budget friendly and it can do all kinds of the fancy things that the enterprise programs do, including things like analyzing sentiment. So you don't have to sit there and read 400 tweets. You mm-hmm. can say, hey, how are people feeling about this? And <laughs> and sort it into categories okay. and do all kinds of other things that, uh, you know, your company or your clients would find very useful.
0: Mm hmm. Now, the monitoring, they monitor everything online, uh, the various platforms. How about email, does it pick up email as well?
1: It will not pick up email. It will pick up most things online. Uh, Many of them will say they pick up everything, but the bottom line is that they cannot, uh, even if they have access to everything, it just can't automatically get every single post or everything that's said. There are also certain limitations For example, most services cannot monitor posts on a Facebook private page, only Mm -hmm. on business or public pages. So you do have to do some combination of automatic and manual if you know you have a specific issue, if you know you have a specific critic. There are things you do have to manually check on, but these services can save you an awful lot of time and energy. Okay.
0: Now, if uh, again, if you're a small company, uh, that's maybe you do have your online uh, platforms, what are some of the things you would need to look for in someone that you are going to hire in addition to their online skills, but to have them oversee, if you will, what's being said about you online? What sort of skills would you look for that person to have?
1: Sure. So they need to have not only social media marketing skills, but they need to have some form of, it would probably fall under the umbrella of what people would call reputation management. Mm-hmm. They need to be thinking not only about how many conversions do I get to your page, how many sales did we make, but what is your reputation? If you sit in a social media sales presentation and they don't mention reputation, they don't mention crisis prevention, then you're probably going to want to look elsewhere.
0: hmm in terms of crisis prevention, what are, I think you talked generally about that, but what are some of the more specific things that uh, companies, large and small, can do? Uh, you know, as you said, sit around a table and sort of look for or maybe what some of our weak spots are. But what are some of the weak spots that you found that some companies have that seem to be maybe pervasive? And you would probably say, wow, we're just seeing way too much of this.
1: You know, the, the number one thing is really listening. Too many people aren't listening to what their customers and other important audiences have to say both to them and about them Mm -hmm. because people will say things about you on social media that they would never say to your face. And and it's important to know that as, as a business because you can learn a lot by just getting out there and searching your name. What Mm -hmm. are people saying about us to each other? So aside from that, I think it's just a lack of preparedness to communicate quickly If an issue breaks on a Friday, especially online, if an issue breaks on a Friday, you cannot wait until Monday to respond. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready. The latest study I saw says people expect a response to any kind of comment, review, or inquiry online in 15 minutes or less. They do not care if it's Friday night, they don't care if it's Christmas day. (laughs) They want a response fast. Mm -hmm. So. Obviously fifteen minutes is a little unrealistic for many companies. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> but but it's it's all about being prepared. Mm-hmm. You know you know your business, you know the types of issues you may run into, and if you've been listening, you know the types of complaints you get online. So you should have some fill in the blank messaging where in five minutes you can respond to an ugly review. You mm-hmm. can get in touch with that person who sent a nasty tweet, or you can respond to that reporter quick. And that that's really the issue is letting these things snowball out of control causes the very expensive, very sticky crises. It's If you get on it right at the beginning, it hurts. But if you rip that Band-Aid off and start doing things right, the pain goes away a lot more quickly than if you sit there and you let it build and build and then you slowly get your response
0: out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because from time to time I do look at how people have responded by way of, uh, let's say, Yelp, for instance, on restaurants or other services out there. And uh, some of those are are just flat out awful. The one star, somebody says, if I could give you less than one star, I would give you that. That, uh, Right, the classic (laughs) line, right? (laughs) (laughs) That tells me there's a real emergency there. somewhere That needs to be acted upon. And I guess the the other part of that is that uh, does Yelp also then put in, or others also put in their responses to those uh, negative reviews?
1: You know, if you have a legitimate response, then, then yeah, you should respond. And the thing is, if somebody's left a one-star review, you know, the, the first instinct of many business owners who are trying their best to run a good business and give great service is to be offended. Mm-hmm. And they feel attacked and they forget to put themselves in this other person's shoes. Most of the time, they're not writing a one star review to get you. Most of the time, they're writing a one star review because they feel like you got them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people will try to come back with just the facts. And I think anybody who's ever tried to solve an argument with their significant other by using just the facts knows how well that goes. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. You you need to give them some compassion. Mm-hmm. You need to understand where they're coming from. And then maybe you can reach a middle ground, but you know, it's the kind of thing where if people leave a one star a, you need to look at what the heck operationally did we do? Cause probably something went wrong mm-hmm. and, and B you need to, you need to see if it's someone you can fix. Now you also have the people who really do leave a one star just to get you. And at that point, you know, you need to, whether that's someone you interact with further.
0: So one of the things that I'm getting from from our discussion here is that the entire company represents provides your reputation to you or to the public. So they all need to understand how to interact with the public whoever they are, whether they're the CEO or, you know, whether they're the receptionist and the importance of doing that the right way and reporting any, any sort of uh, sour or uncomfortable feelings or feedback that they get from people.
1: Yes. And it's when it, when it comes to online, it truly is every member of your organization is a part of online crisis management. They all are eyes and ears out there with the best monitoring, with an unlimited monitoring budget and an army of people monitoring random employees will still spot things you couldn't see. Mm -hmm. You just cannot see it all. So they're fabulous for being your eyes and ears out there, but they also need to understand social media and the impact they can have because the CEO, I think most would gather a single tweet or Facebook post from them could cause real issues for the company. Folks who are kind of in the middle of the ladder don't tend to see that as much. And so if they go out sharing, things uh, on social media that are maybe not appropriate or extremely controversial. No amount of disclaimers that this is not the company's opinion is going to prevent that from reflecting on the company. Mm -hmm. So So it's critical to understand their role there and how they can help or hurt.
0: You know, the other thing that I'm hearing here is that there should be some internal process for whoever it happens to be to report this information without feeling, Uncomfortable in doing so, so that corrective action can be taken.
1: Absolutely, and, and at Bernstein Crisis, we're huge fans of anonymous reporting. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify, especially for any attorneys out there who are probably raising their hand right now and saying, "No, no, no, <laughs> uh, we're not saying we're not saying act on every anonymous report." But the option for people to deliver information anonymously will mean you're going to hear about more of the bad stuff—the mm-hmm. stuff you need to hear about early.
0: Well, look, this has been very fascinating. Let me just ask you sort of in closing here, are there any other points that you think our listeners should know or have about uh, uh, crisis communications, particularly in social media?
1: Sure. I think the number one thing, if I could leave one piece of advice, is you need to bring compassion to everything you do, especially with crisis communications and even more so with online crisis communications, You know, typically, if you're having to do these types of communications, you're positioned as the bad guy. You need to show people that you understand how they're feeling and that you care how they're feeling or they will not regard anything else you say. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line and that's the ingredient we see missing. I challenge anyone out there to go reread. Crisis communication statement online or off—that they just felt rang hollow—and you will find a lack of compassion. Mm -hmm. If we have more compassion out there, everything else tends to follow.
0: Well, Eric, thank you uh, for joining us today. My guest today has been Eric Bernstein. He's president of Bernstein Crisis Communications, and uh, you have provided our listeners and me included uh, some very, very insightful information. And I hope that perhaps uh, we can get in touch with you again in the future, just to uh, maybe catch up and make sure that we're not missing anything that would be of interest to our to our listeners.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for having me at any time.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, thank you again for joining us. And please uh, join us for the next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening and if you enjoy the program please become a subscriber now on to the podcast